0: We have on the line with us Dan Benning. He's with the Colorado Propane Association and this was just a little something that we saw in the newspaper uh, right after Christmas. It was near the back, but it was important. Dan Benning, it looked like there was the potential that 33,000 rural Colorado residents might not have had heat during Christmas because there might have been a propane shortage here in Colorado. Dan Benning, welcome.
1: Well, good morning. How are you today?
0: I'm doing just fine. What good. happened? How did we get to this point?
1: Well, um, there were a number, uh, six to be precise, of local and close to local supply points that went down, meaning they weren't producing uh, propane or any other product, uh, during the three weeks leading up to um, the situation being um, brought up. And uh, that forced uh, propane companies and their transportation companies to have to go further to get propane. There's plenty of propane. As of uh, last week, there were 72 million barrels underground in the United States, which is 21 days of supply for the entire country. So there's, there's plenty of propane underground. But unfortunately for us, that The storages are in Conway, Kansas, um, in Utah, and in Atamana, Arizona. So that added anywhere from six and a half to seven, eight hours of extra driving time. And frequently, when they got to those storage locations, they had to wait uh, two to five hours in line. So the federal government requires that a driver can uh, only work 14 hours a day and then he has to rest. And um, so when you have two to five hours in line plus the extra driving time, instead of getting uh, basically two loads a day off if they're going local for supply, they're getting a load every other day uh, to their retail suppliers. A a load of propane is approximately 10,000 gallons. So you could see that propane retailers' uh, storage would start to shrink pretty rapidly. So the Colorado Propane Gas Association went to the state government and basically asked them to uh, do something that really hadn't been done in the past. It was to basically proactively suspend hours of services prior to an emergency happening. And after collecting some data and getting it to the state, they agreed for a two-week suspension of hours of service. That seems to have worked. Uh, As of yesterday, the last day, I was asking people to provide me with inventory levels. Inventory levels were going up at the retailers across the state, and it looks like we've adverted a situation that could have been quite serious.
0: Well, yeah, it would be, have been very serious for 33,000 residents here in Colorado. And uh, just to unpack this regulation just a little bit more, this is a federal regulation that limits, quote-unquote, the time that uh, truck drivers can work, uh, implying they can, you know, I mean, quite frankly, driving 14 hours a day uh, probably is somewhat dangerous, although as a conservatarian, I would say instead of a uh, regulation from the government, I would look at that and say, hey, I don't want to wreck my rig. I don't want to hurt other people. So I'm going to make sure that I'm responsible uh, and, and you know have the rest that I need so that I can do my job. But to your point, they might be sitting in line for two to five hours. They can nap during that time uh, so that they're ready to roll. And uh, unfortunately, there's this federal regulation that did not allow that to happen. So this regulation was lifted. Interesting, how can the state do a uh, a disaster declaration, emergency declaration, and override a federal regulation? How does that work?
1: I believe the state, and and I'm not 100% sure, but I believe the state has to declare a state of emergency which will allow them to temporarily suspend federal regulations not an attorney. I don't know for sure if that's the fact, but I believe if they do, uh, they can suspend them.
0: Okay. Well, I think that we'll talk with our our favorite millennial that we have in studio with us right now, Stephen Kessler, about that regulation. Uh, I I appreciate you, Dan, coming on and explaining what happened. Just one other question, though. You said there were six points that went down prior to this of propane, uh, I guess, supplies. Uh, Very quickly, what happened with those uh, six points?
1: Well, nothing in common happened with any of them. There were very uh, unusual situations. Uh, One went down due to connectivity issues. Um, I guess you have to have the Internet to run a refinery anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, one went down because of a large pump that broke, and they didn't have the spare parts on hand, and they had to go out of state to get them, and that kept them down for a week. And a series of... Strange things like that um, happened that normally don't everything's up and running right now albeit at not quite 100% capacity the colder the weather the and it's, this is very technical but the colder the weather the le- l- least lesser amount of gas a um, gas separation plant can turn out and from collection collection issues to compressors not running as efficiently and things like that so we're not having a, a local issue at this point.
0: Well, it looks—it sounds to me like you guys over at the Colorado Propane Association had some vision. You got out in front of this, and so 33,000 Colorado Colorado rest, um, residents had heat during Christmas. So, way to go, Dan Benning. Thank you so much for explaining this to the americans Thank you, um, Dan. Would you mind? If, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. go ahead, Steven.
1: Would you mind if I ask oh. kind of um, a rudimentary question about propane? Sure. Sure um is it being how are we getting this propane? Is it being fracked or is it coming from diff, you know a different source? Propane comes from <clears throat> excuse me two primary sources in the United States uh, the first and foremost is uh, when natural gas comes out of the ground, it has called it's what's called natural gas liquids in it. Uh, one of those natural gas liquids is propane. They have to separate those liquids out before they can sell that natural gas to you know, natural gas utilities such as Xcel Energy. Um, there's requirements for maximum BTU loads on pipelines, et cetera, et etc., cetera. and they can get more money for the propane than they can for natural gas. So it, it makes sense for them to s- strip out the propane, the butane, the ethane, the pentane, all the anes that go on ad nauseum and so that's about roughly seventy to seventy five percent of the gas produced in the united states uh... the rest of it comes from petroleum refining uh... whenever you uh... refine a barrel of oil to get it really basic you're basically cooking it to you're, you're heating it to um, get the various products to separate each of the various products or chemical compounds boils at a um, different temperature. So propane being one of the lighter of the of the um, products, boils at 44 below zero, so they don't really have to do too much to, <laughs> to get propane out of the stream. But if you ever drive by a refinery, you'll see, you'll see tall stacks with various pipes coming out of it at different levels. Mm-hmm. And those are the various, those, those various pipes coming out of that tall stack are the various products being collected. And um, so whenever you, whenever you cook a barrel of propane or of crude excuse me you're going to get some propane so they can maximize various products by doing different things such as uh, catalytic cracking and and others but no matter what you're going to get some propane out of it and that's that used to be uh, back in the 70s 80s and early 90s the majority of propane production came from refining but with, the, with um, natural gas and the fracking of the shale fields, uh, that's swung around completely. And most of propane comes from natural gas now.
0: Okay, well, Dan Benning, this is uh, uh, we certainly had a primer on propane, so that's just awesome. <laughs> so Dan Benning, Colorado Propane Association, thank you so much.